Welcome to another week's edition of Good Band, Bad Band, where we talk about two bands whose names sound similar, but the music sounds very different. This week, we're talking about Bullet My Bloody Valentine. I'm Jared. I am Dax. Caleb. This is Tyler here. What a metal mayhem we have just now. What a metal mayhem we had just now. What a metal mayhem we had just now. Oh, is that is I would Tyler disagree. chose this week, so I will give you the floor uh, to begin your thoughts on Bullet for My Valentine, Tyler. I'm disappointed that we have to cover them first. That's how Th- the whole thought, thing has worked from the get go. Thought, thought number one, it's pretty sad. I'm not. I don't. Re- I've never really liked them, and I still don't think I really like them that much. But they're from Wales. That's kind of cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of. They I think are. it's. They're from Wales. I think it's kind of. Uh, when I learned they're from Wales, I guess I was kind of. I found it kind of odd because I was like, this sound like this type of music seems really. Um, it's like almost commercial metal. You know what I mean? It's like metal for people who like metal so that people can sell albums in America. It's mm-hmm. it's it's stadium metal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird it's to hear. It's the type rock, of rock metal. Yeah. Rock. Yeah. It's kind of weird Radio to hear. Radio metal. To hear people in England create bands for something that like started here and have them not be. Like this is the big place for that still. Not yeah, necessarily sure. England. So it's kind of weird to see a band copy that and then. And make it and make music and, it, and people like it. I don't know. It's weird because like for punk, you know, it kind of started in the U.S., but it really blew up with the Pistols and the Clash and stuff like that, and with like blues and blues rock. Like a lot of early blues musicians, like and even Hendrix went to the U.K. and things got big there, and then came back over here, even though it started here. But this is just kind of like a weird commercial movement that started here and stays here, and yet some other people do things. Well, apparently, after I did a little bit of research, because I found this uh, quite odd, there's a whole thing called Cardiff Music Scene mm-hmm. uh, that involves Bullet for My Valentine. That's like a whole area in like the UK where like metalcore and like metal are kind of like blossoming mm-hmm. since like the 90s. And I, I've never heard of such a thing. Who else is in it? I when I looked at it, I was like, oh yeah, because they were like, oh yeah, there's a lot of artists that were involved in this like music scene and they mm-hmm. said famous bands include cool kaimaru manic street preachers okay they're pretty good stereophonics oh my kids in glass houses funeral for a friend which i know that you like them jerry i like kids in glass houses as well but they're hard to find on spotify the only the only one that i think i know is super furry animals outside of all those other names they're all cardiff things yeah they're all they're all based in this same kind of like newport south wales area hmm yeah, Cardiff is in Wales. Yes, that's interesting. Because I had no, Wales I had no idea own. that there was a whole like collection of people in I, that I same feel realm. Like Bullet for my Valentine are uh, generously added to that list. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah. You, you think it's generous of them, huh? Okay. Why is that? What? One of the bands is called Houdini Dax. Oh my! Oh really? Yeah. Houdini Dax. That's that's fun. I they, he's the good band. No. Did you see they were originally called Jeff Killed John? Yeah, that's a terrible mm-hmm. name. It's a stupid. And they band covered name. Metallica and Nirvana. How weird now. is that? 
they they are very bad at naming things. Yeah, they are. They have an album called Scream Aim Fire. What are you talking about? That's a great name. No, it's not. That's an awful name. That, that means is nothing. An awful name. It That's is awful. Bad. You know they they also I'm seeing here that like their second EP. Uh, was a two-track EP, and I just want them to know that uh, that's called a single, boys. There's an A-side yeah. and a B-side. That's not an yeah, EP. Yeah, not quite. The other album that I think is a funny name, because I, I know what it's called, but I know the only way that I can say it is like a, a scolding mother, which is Temper Temper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't say it like it's supposed to be said. That's the only way that I can say that title. They just put out. So many albums, and none of them are different or better. Or oh, worse. they think so. They think they're all better. Like each one. Has Every been time better. they talk about their next album, they're like, "Yeah, this next one is gonna be way heavier, and this next album, we're gonna put our are really gonna put our hearts into the lyricism." Hmm. We didn't give sounds, a shit last time. Sounds this time. Sounds like Tool. Oh no! Don't you remember they they used to say that? They said it for every album. We're gonna get heavier. We're gonna next get album. heavier yep. next album. Yep, and there you go. And then, and then they what? didn't. No, for at uh, least Scream Aim Fire. They said, they said that Scream Aim Fire. There was gonna be a lot more up tempo, a lot more aggressive. I read one of the albums. I cannot remember which one. Uh, had no ballads. The other albums oh, yeah. all had ballads. This one, we're not I, gonna have any. I think ballads. that was their third album. I believe. I think that was the one where he was like, "Yeah, there's no." Oh, yeah. So for Fever, they said a lot more mature sounding. It's a lot more classic. It'll stand the test of time more than the previous things we've oh, done. Oh, my goodness. Like, you, you don't get to claim what your album is going to do. I like, you can't say, this album's going to really sell. Like, it's going to be great. Every band kind of does that, though. Yeah, they have yeah. to. It also appears but, that, like, not only are they particularly childish and, and uh, pretty minimal in the way they can describe their own music, apparently uh, it seems as if many of the uh, raiders in, of the critics are the same because apparently all music, they, here's how they describe it, all music describes their sound as blending muscular riffs and emo harmonies. And then, Muscular riffs and emo harmonies. Uh, yep. And, uh, it sounds mm. like a Fall Out Boy album. It does. They The, the band themselves describe two albums, The Poison and Fever, as having a, quote, super dark tone. And that's all they could say about it. <laughs> that's that's brilliant. They they really know their music well. Oh, so very good. Their most recent album, Gravity, came out in 2018, and it's considered uh, more of a new metal sound. Oh, it, really? It had uh, very poor reviews. So their albums did not get better. I listened to a couple songs off that one, and it was not good. Yeah. Is anything that they, like... Is anything that they do received well by critics? Have they had an album that anyone's been like, yeah, it's pretty good? Um, I would say I'd probably say like, a, like a Kerrang would probably like them. Oh yeah, yeah, or like a metal metal sucks. Mm-hmm, metal sucks. Um, I would say, oh man, maybe the Poison their debut because mm-hmm. it had the two biggest. Um, Tears don't fall and all these things. I hate revolve around me. Like those are their two biggest songs. So yeah. I would imagine those. Are the ones? I mean, they have pretty decent reviews on that one, uh, from what I see. Big Cheese magazine gave the Poison five stars, so you better watch out, pal. Ooh, Big Cheese! Yeah. Big yeah. Cheese knows what they're talking about. They, they are the Big Cheese after. You all. notice how there's no source? No source. <laughs> you can't even <laughs> click on Big Cheese's review. Yeah, you. Well, uh, yeah, you can. Where you can? Well, you can click on Big Cheese and learn about who Big Cheese is. 
Yeah, but you can't click on the actual review. Oh. At least, oh. at least you could do. Okay, all right. Oh. So, but oh, the I thing about the see. thing about their most recent album, Gravity, mm-hmm. is it has probably, arguably, their worst song. They they have done a lot of covers for like bonus tracks, Japanese tracks, things like that on deluxe edition stuff, mm-hmm. and they covered Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. Oh Ooh. no! Oh <laughs> no! Track twelve on their deluxe edition bonus track, and it is very bad. Oh no! Caleb will now play it for you. Just about the worst thing you could possibly imagine. Here's my advice. If you're going to cover a pop song, a pop rock song, and you're a metal band, do something different than the exact same thing. Metal it up, man. As the pop rock song that you're covering. It is literally, it is just doing the same song. It's not like covering it in a different way. It's It's sounding like the same thing. It's horrible. It's not good. It's just not good. When I heard it initially, I told Jared that the the purpose behind that song is very, very blatant in that he and the band are clearly just capitalizing on the sound of a radioactive and trying to make them sound more popular. Mm-hmm. Like they're not doing it because they like really like the song. They're trying to do the song again, and then hopefully they will get just as popular as an Imagine Dragons. People will look up that song, and they will just pop up first. Oh, th- I didn't know that was Bullet for My Valentine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's The lead good. singer is named uh, Matthew Tuck. Matthew Tuck. Tuck. The drummer was named Moose. Moose. Is he gone now? Uh, yeah. Uh. He was a drummer for a long time. Did you read about the album Venom? So they had uh, a member, Jamie Mathis, Mathias, who's the bass player, and he did not play bass on that album. Tuck played bass on that album. Oh, wow. And he was still credited as a member of the band, but he was not a bassist on the album. Hmm. <laughs> what did he do? I don't think he did anything. It said Tuck, the, Tuck had recorded all the bass guitar parts. Uh, Mathis later said in an interview that he hopes to be involved in future band projects. Mm. I think he just might be. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. That doesn't. That's horrible. He got <laughs> replaced. He's the bassist for the band. You're like, hey, what do you do for a bolt for my Valentine? I'm the bassist. Oh, I want to hear your new album, Venom. Oh, I'm not on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was he out of town? Was he busy? What was going on? I don't know. He just Tuck wanted to play bass, I guess. Huh. I don't know. Really bad carpal tunnel. Yes. Mm, that must be it. Oh, my. So um, I found the only here's the only thing that I found of both my Valentine that I found uh, that I liked. Besides, I do like the song Tears Don't Fall. I think that's a pretty decent song. Okay. Um, and then the first song do you I like part one or part two more. I think part one, the, like that was from the debut. Yeah, not the one on Temper Temper. Not on Temper Temper. Oh, um, the first song I ever heard from them is All These Things I Hate Revolve Around Me. I think I saw it on. Probably uh, handbang- Headbangers Ball Probably. or something like that. Um, but I did find that Tuck was in a super group um, called 
Hold on, let me find it. Axe Wound. Wound. Mm-hmm. That feat. Did you listen to some of that, Tyler? What did you think of that? Great band name, Axe Wound. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you listen to the the tracks? Cold. That's when mm-hmm. you stuck in the playlist. Is that the only one I put in there? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's too bad. I should have put more. Um, but it features Liam Cormier, 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 from um, Cancer Bats, which are a, a good hardcore punk band. Yeah, Jared they seem tried to. Jared tried to test me. He played a song from Axe Wound. Yeah. And he was like, "See if you can guess who this is." And it gave. I was about maybe like a minute. I got in about a minute. You said stray from the past path first. Yeah, I did. And I said no. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then then he got Cancer Bats. Yeah. So yeah, they uh they're they're a good band. Cancer Bats are. Not so much the uh, some of the other stuff, but let's play a little bit of cold from Axe Wound. Yeah. That was not bad. Because it was cancer bats, basically, yeah, instead of yeah, Essentially. It was certainly better than my than Bullet for My Valentine garbage. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Bullet for My Valentine covered uh, ACDC, Whole lot of Rosie. Oh, great. Seven years ago on the BBC Radio 1 Live Lounge. Uh, that one's it's interesting. A lot of people in the comment section thought it was pretty good. I found a few other did. covers. Um, they covered... Um, the song uh, "Domination" by uh, who's the uh, the band that sang Walk? Pantera? That's who it was. Mm-hmm. Pantera. Uh, they covered um, "Ace of Spades" for as a bonus Ooh. track. I think it was a, a from a Japanese version of the Venom album uh, for that album. And then they covered uh, "Radioactive," as I mentioned previously. "Crazy Train" they covered. Yeah, who for, hasn't done that who, one? Who I hasn't know. done we've, that we've, one? Didn't we've uh, all been out here doing that didn't one. Didn't we find Greta Van Fleet covered in Crazy Train all that, that all time ago? Oh, my gosh. That sounds horrible. That sounds undoubtedly horrible. But, I mean, all of this makes sense. Like, if you look at their influences, it's just a long list of metal. Yeah, yeah basically. Like, at least I got Priest first before Def Leppard in this list. That's fair. They did uh, put Bob Dylan as an influence. Oh, I was going to get there. Oh, That's oh, not yeah, that was, they said that Bob Dylan is an influence. What they said was, which is astounding, they said that uh, that Matt, Matt Tuck specifically said that his songwriting is influenced by Springsteen, Seeger, and Dylan, yeah. which mm. is such a stretch, but also <laughs> so clearly not true. Because like me and, me and Jared were... Li- Jared, what was the song we were listening to this We week? were listening to um, Dead to the World... Which was on Temper Temper. Temper Temper. And we were listening. We watched the, like, it wasn't really a lyric video. It was a fan-made video where they put the lyrics over it. And because um, it was co-written with Tuck and the, I, guess, I don't know if the all the members write the lyrics or just Tuck. I'm not sure. Seems like probably just a Tuck thing. But Chris Jericho from the band Fozzie, also a professional wrestler, um, who I have met, 
uh, he co-wrote that song with Bolt for my Valentine. And I was like, I played the song for Caleb, and I'm like, see if you can tell me who co-wrote this song. He could not because no, the song was bad. so generic. It was like the lyrics were so generic and awful. It could have been any like. It was like a teenager's poetry. Yeah. A very emo teenager's poetry. Like, my heart is bleeding and I am hurt. And it's like, oh my God, why is this so bad? It's just like to even say the names of Springsteen, Seeger, and Dylan as mm-hmm. like like lyrical influences is just them saying like, I think these are good songwriters, so I think that's what I'm shooting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be represented in the later portion of that quote where he claims these bands are just proper old school songwriters as if he is one of them. Mm-hmm. I don't he's I mean he's going for their sound but like kind of a darker tone, you know. Yeah, it's a, got that real dark tone. Like I like that that Bob Dylan when he's dark, you know. It's real dark. Like Bob Dylan when it's yeah. raining. That's what we are. We're rainy Bob Dylan. <laughs> Buckets of blood. <laughs> Horrible. I, I, I said that Five Finger Death Punch were better than Bullet for My Valentine. Ooh, that's and that's bad. an unfortunate that's an unfortunate thing to say. Agree. Yeah. But at least at least Five Finger Death Punch tries different things occasionally. And they fail multiple times. Yes. But I'd rather them try different things and fail than literally try nothing at all for your entire career. And still fail. And, <laughs> but not just that, but like not even like be the same band for all of the years you've been around. It's just crazy. So, um, does anyone have anything nice to say about them? I don't think we've said anything. I liked Axe Wound. I said I liked Tears Don't Fall. That's, yeah, that's a pretty good song. I did true. say that. We've got one. I mean, <laughs> one I don't. Nice I haven't thing. liked anything by them in a long time. They you know? they serve their purpose well. I've said this for many bands, and this is really, I think, the most positive thing that I can say for many artists that I am not a big fan of. Mm-hmm. They serve the purpose that they are meant to serve, which is they are a big stadium rock band. Mm-hmm. They will always have that position. When it's a case that you have a big stadium anthem type like deal, you bring in Bullet for My Valentine. They play their big metal songs. People all in the crowd are going to love it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not like great songwriting or great musicianship, it's big and it's loud and people like it. Mm-hmm. That is what it's there for. It does what it needs to do. They're another band of foot on a festival bill. Yes. Like if you got a Rock on the Range or you got a, a Mayhem Festival or something like that, like Bullet for My Valentine is like the third or fourth band down if you're looking at the list and you're like, oh yeah, right. they're there. You're not going specifically. Some people are. Some people. Some people. Their favorite band is Bullet for My Valentine, and that's interesting to me because there are so many bands. But there's like, just there's, so many. Yeah, well. There's something that connected that they chose them. I mean, maybe they're from Wales. You know, like I mean, that would make sense. Or maybe they their lineage is from that area, and so they're like, oh, there's somebody from my my hometown. I'm, that's my favorite thing, or whatever. Well, they know Hyrule the Hero, you know. They'd be jumping off. Oh, they, yeah. They'd be jumping off giant speakers and stuff. So you know, higher over here. They'd be backflipping off good. off speakers. So put that. Put I'm that pretty in sure I've seen them, but I have no recollection of it. You've seen who? Like, that kind of just bolt for my Valentine. Like I think that they've oh, been no. at something like a festival or like open for something I've been to, but I don't have any recollection of of them performing live. They've opened for Metallica. 
They have. I've never seen Metallica. Oh, you haven't? I thought we almost did. Yeah, it was raining though, so we left. Bummer. That's a sad. That's a sad story. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) We had our closing act was Corn instead. Oh wow! Wow. You know it's a good show when Corn closes things out. Oh my goodness, that sounds just. Twisted transistor. So I mentioned earlier covers, and the last cover I want to talk about uh, for um, Bullet for My Valentine on the album. Uh, what was this album? I cannot even tell by the picture. It may be the Scream. Yeah, Scream Ain't Fire. Okay. You can't even tell by the pictures. That's horrible. They covered the song No Easy Way Out, which was a cover of Robert Tepper from the Rocky Four soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it, the music video for Robert Tepper, you got if you have time as a listener, check that video out because it's great. This, this guy looks like Tommy Wiseau from The Room. But anyway, so uh, if you'll play just a bit of the cover of uh, No Easy Way Out from Bullet For My Valentine. That one, I will say, has at least only the slightest bit of merit. It's not terrible, mm. but it's because of the fact that it's pretty close to its source material and has a pretty good song. I, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when Children of Bodom do their covers of like 80 songs, and I know how much I love those. So that one, it just reminds me a little bit. I like, I like when a modern alternative rock or metal band covers like an old, like not so well-known 80 song. I think right. that's, that's a fun thing. Yeah, it is. I love the disturbed cover of I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. That's one of my favorite things. So listen to that sometime, too, if you like. You want to move on to your favorite thing, everybody's favorite thing? Well, my favorite thing. I don't really have any more. Anybody have any more on Bullet for My Valentine? They're really oh, not. No. Like, reading their Wikipedia page, it was not that interesting. They have, like you said, they open for Metallica. Mm-hmm. They matter. Like, they definitely matter. But they're not, like, super, they're not, like, there's nothing so crazy about them. They're like, oh, we have to talk about, you know, like, no. they're just a band you just, they're in there the to metal sh- scene. They're there to shit on, man. That's oh, really all they're here for. That's too bad. I know. Listen to Axe Wound. Yeah, go out and listen to Axe Wound, guys. And then when you're done with Axe Wound, check out Cancer Bats and see if you can tell oh my. how similar they sound. Oh, wow. They only had one album in 2000. Axe Wound? In Axe 12. Wound, yeah. Eight, yeah, eight years ago, they only had one album, 2012, huh. Axe Wound. Who would have thought? Then they never made another thing. And then all the comments on like the music videos and stuff on YouTube are like, man, this is great. Can't wait for more. <laughs> Give us more Axe Wound. Please. Where is our Axe Wound? All right, let's, let's do some My Bloody Valentine, shall we? Yes. Tyler, this is your chance. This is your glorious, glorious chance. Hey, so did you just play Only Shallow? Of course. I could tell for a couple of reasons. One, I couldn't hear anything on this side because that song has so much, like when you think about it digitally, there's so much data in it that I, I literally it was just silence over here. 
It couldn't handle it. There was so much going on that that it just could not do it. It couldn't do it. It couldn't do it. That song is, I love that song. It's amazing. It's so hard, but then the melody portions are <clears throat> are relatively delicate, which is really interesting. Ooh. It's uh, it, That's really their whole gimmick, yeah. is what you just said. Yeah. I think you just <laughs> described My Bloody Valentine in about two sentences. I done did you it. Want me to, you want me to tell you what my description of My Bloody Valentine is? Okay. So I did not, I thought I knew this band, but I didn't. So the other day, I was having lunch with uh, our friend, friend of the podcast, John, and he uh, he was asking me about this week's episode, and I told him, uh, "Bullet for my Valentine, Bullet for my Bloody Valentine," and he's like, "Oh, I've never heard of uh, my Bloody Valentine. What do they sound like?" And I said, "Oh, they kind of sound like The Cure," but I honestly did not know anything. Well, you, like, you I just kind of yeah. threw it out there. That would be accurate for their early sound. But then, well, the funny thing was. Like and then I listened to the music, and uh, I was pulling up some music videos on YouTube of My Bloody Valentine, and in the suggested videos, it was uh, the Cure. So I guess yep. YouTube knows too. He called us too. Uh, it was funny because Jared was like, "Well, what what bands could you compare them to?" And I was kind of realizing that the only thing you can compare My Bloody Valentine to are other bands that nobody would know if they exactly. didn't know My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, you know, you could listen to some Galaxy 500, or you could listen to some Ride, or, you know, definitely if you're inter- interested in them, listen to some Slow Dive, Yep, man. that's it's what like, I was going to say, Slow you're, Dive. What are you saying? What mm. words are these? Yeah. You know, man, Suvlaki, it's a great album. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't it help if album. you don't have a mainstream artist to compare them to. No, no, and they're not. I mean, shoegaze yeah, as a general genre is not mainstream at all. It's like this offshoot of alternative rock that nobody has ever gotten into. Well, it's you know what I don't. You know what I don't understand about shoegaze. What, what is that? The like the definition of shoegaze has nothing to do with the music. No, no, no you know it what I doesn't. Mean? You know what? You, you know what shoegaze is. Mm-hmm. It describes oh, certain bands' motionless performing style where they stood on stage and stared at the floor. So they literally were gazing at their shoes. Yep. Indeed. Yep. But that doesn't describe the the music. It's funny because there's a whole... like I, I know what shoegaze sounds like, but it doesn't mean anything. No. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... I mean, that's just like anti-performing. Yeah. Well, yeah, don't Go worry about. I'm sorry. It's kind of changed over time anyway, because now like modern quote unquote shoegaze bands are different, because it's had a bit of a what you what you might call a resurgence as of late, but it's with bands that are like people don't know how to label them, so they kind of put them that way. Like sh- like always is considered is kind of considered shoegaze, even though they don't really like fit into the bill. Like I feel like it's just a category right. that some bands that have kind of like. A little bit of like an airy kind of feel, like it's it's the what we what people call shoegaze bands right now is not super different from dream pop. Like I even heard people have called right. Beach House shoegaze, even though it's like kind of not really. Basically, I mean, it, My Bloody Valentine and Beach House have a lot of similarities. It's just that My Bloody Valentine are way heavier on the guitar tone. Have we done any shoegaze on here? No, no. No, okay. this is our first. This is our first foray into shoegaze for this sure. Is it. I was thinking we did. No, we nope. didn't. My Bloody Valentine are so amazingly amazing that they're phenomenal. 
I love them is so it, very okay, much. Is it only Loveless, though? Like, are we no, only praising no, Loveless, no, no, or no, are we talking no, no. about My Bloody Valentine in general? No, in general. Now, the, their older stuff, so when you go to their YouTube, or their YouTube, their Wikipedia page, for instance, I mentioned this a little bit ago to you guys before we started, that they have some clips on there. And their older stuff is really kind of, it's uh kind of like, they were categorized as goth rock and and post-punk early on and their older stuff kind of fits in with like a little bit slightly heavier cure type thing. But then once mm. Kevin Shields, basically I've watched an interview with him. All right, let me start it with this. Kevin Shields plays a jazz master. Let's just start there. Go ahead and take your drinks. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. So I watched an interview where they're talking about, it's an interview that Fender did with them talking about the jazz master. And when he was first introduced to it, he realized that the sounds he could create with it are like nothing he'd ever heard before. So like once he became introduced to that instrument, and by the way, also he has a his pedal board is like a hundred plus pedals, so it's like massive and just. I was ridiculous. gonna say he's got a ton of pedals. Yeah, so he mixes all of that together. Yeah, he also has a ton of jazz masters. They're like, how many do you have? He's like, I don't know, like eleven or twelve. And he's like, okay, I have twenty five, but eleven or twelve are really good. I'm just like, all right. So he, when he mixes it all together, that's when things start to get wild because it's not it's really just a bunch of feedback. It's like feet. It's feedback, and it's. And he uses the the trim a lot, like he uses the whammy bar a lot, uh, when as like a way to accentuate strumming patterns. He just basically mm-hmm. puts a lot of stuff into like tape echo and loops and a bunch of reverb, and then he and then he creates undulation in the sound and lets it just do its thing. And it's just wild. It's just wild. It it is truly like one of the most unique sounding albums is Loveless and it, it's hard to it's hard to deny the fact that it sounds very little like anything else that came before what was it 91 91 isn't yeah, that crazy so like, any, like especially coming out of like the 80s which you know like really the cure is about the closest out of the 80s that you had for my bloody valentine doing something kind of you know a, a little bit closer to that alternative rock sound because really, I mean, the, the reason I mentioned the cure and Jared, I'm glad you do bring them up is because they do have also a very revolutionary alternative rock sound in a lot of ways that brings in some of like the goth elements and my bloody Valentine on like, isn't anything has a little bit of post-punk, a little bit of goth, a little bit of dream pop, but like it's, it's just so many blending of sounds and so different. And it's very, very, it's hard to describe in a lot of ways. Tyler, I think you did a good job describing it, but it's still like, it's, there's no way to really put what they sound like into words. No, you need to just listen to it. People have to just listen to it. Cause it's like an experience listening to the whole thing. And man, it's, I don't, I wouldn't, I'm trying to describe it too and it can't really work. It's just wild. I mean, like it's just so loud. And when you hear, if you ever watch like interviews with Kevin Shields or anyone where they've talked to him, like that's what they were going for. Like the sound in their heads was just this extremely loud layered, like undulating thing. And it's almost like, it's almost like music breathing in a way. When I think about it, I guess I don't know, man. Loveless is phenomenal. I get the hype for Loveless. I do the rest of it. I listen to like, some bits here and there. I thought it was kind of bland. Did you listen to MBV? Yeah. Their 2013 album. Why is it I, not I on Spotify? To parts of it. I don't know. They had all, most of their stuff taken off Spotify at one point. That's the one that just never made it back on. Yeah, I found that one on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is a story that's worth talking about, too. Me and Jared were talking about this earlier this week. Is um, 
that that album in 2013 came what was it 22 years yes 22 years after loveless so there was a 22 year gap in albums and you don't see that that often so we were looking up like artists that have had really big gaps i mentioned slow dive earlier and i knew that they were somewhere up there they had a 21 year gap between suvlaki i believe was the album and then um their new album from 2017, Slow Dive. I think that those were the albums where the gap was, if I remember correctly. That sounds right, yes. It's craziness. And it, uh, he, well, I think that's another reason why, like, I didn't know them as well either, is that there was such a long stretch of time where they hadn't released anything. And so the, um, the hype train had basically stopped. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, unless fair. you, like, you know, go into a record store and, and the old uh, crotchety guys like, yo, you like that? How about this? You know, like that. That's the only way some people are able to find that kind of music. That's what makes it good. Um, it's like a gym, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, and it aggravates me because people, one, people mix them up with Bullet for My Valentine, which is just horrible. It's a terrible thing. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts so, so bad. <clears throat> and then everyone remembers the... My Bloody Valentine 3D movie that came out. That was a remake of the 1981 My Bloody Valentine movie, which is a movie that predates the band, but they didn't know that it was in existence, apparently. When they yeah, named I don't know the how band. that happened. That seems very strange. It was a Canadian all- film, so I don't know. And they're from Ireland. Yeah, a Canadian slasher film, mm-hmm. yes. Wasn't there also a good Charlotte song called My mm-hmm. Bloody Valentine? Yes, horrible. there was. There's also a... Lot. a uh, uh, Machine Gun Kelly song. Yeah, Bloody that's Valentine. Right. We listen to that. If you type in Bloody Valentine, that's the first thing that pops up yeah, on YouTube. Horrible. It's coming out. Horrible. It's pretty the recent, new album. right? Yeah, it just came out. Megan Fox is in the music video. Because she's <laughs> super she relevant, just like My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, yeah. She, she hasn't is. had anything in 13 years either. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice their drummer, uh, Colm O. Koisik? Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, he is the drummer, and he is the sampler. Did you see that? Yeah, but Kevin yeah. also credited. does sampling. He's also credited. Credit is the sampler. Yeah, samples are important. Cody, you have a you have a sample, don't you? Who? Maybe not a co- Oh, god damn. <laughs> Why you gotta be this way? Oh boy, I gotta. Dax, do you have a sample, don't you? Uh, I don't have a sample. No, but it's I have... not a sample. It's a sound alike. Yeah, something that sounds uh, very familiar. Uh, so if you want to start with the uh, my bloody Valentine song. Don't ask why. Don't ask why. Thank you. I was on my way. Uh, Go ahead and play that. So that whole intro bit sounds uh, very similar to Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Good band, bad band alum. You get the idea. Mm. Uh, There are differences, but... You, you you get it. It sounds super super similar. There's 
Speaking of gliders, <laughs> there was a, so there was a it, there's a rumor, and I don't know I don't know it's been it's been uh, denied by Kevin Shields, but supposedly Loveless cost over two hundred fifty thousand pounds to to record and produce. It was a lot. Yeah, that's and so, and uh, the rumor also shows that it bankrupted uh, Creation Records, which is the record label that they were on for the releases. And it took, I know that it took, so in like when they created Loveless, the, the guys at the label thought that the album could be recorded in five days and Kevin Shields just like, no, you know, so they took, and they ended up good luck with that. I read that the tambourine part on one of the songs alone took like a week. (laughs) Oh, nice. That's funny. Cause what they, well, in the meantime, for how long it took. The label, I mean, they wanted some kind of music, you know, they wanted something, and that's where Glider, what that song was off of, Don't Ask Why, that's when they mm-hmm. released Glider to uh, to appease their label people. But Glider's got, uh, that's where some of the sounds on Loveless kind of uh, began, that's where people got like a first taste for them. If you want to play, and it's up to you, if you want to play more music or not, but if you want to play soon off of there, that's a really cool song that shows some of that technique that he uses. They have a lot of EPs. Yeah, they this do. This is a place to say this, but they've got a lot of EPs. They do have a lot of EPs. Only is it because that's really what they're releasing predominantly—just EPs from '85 to '91. They had like they just kept chunking out EPs to try and like appease appease the the record label and just be like, "Look, we're gonna make more music. We promise. We, we're gonna make more music." They did do so, and it's and only two of them are available on Spotify. Thanks, Spotify, jerks. Yeah, great job. You kind of basically that. suck. I also, I thought that their whole 92 to 97 run was very odd too, where it was basically them just not able to put any kind of music out. They were on yeah. Island Records. They kept trying, but they couldn't actually put anything together. And so like most of that gap in time of them not releasing music was them not able to record something for like five years and then being broken up for like, nearly a decade like over a decade mm-hmm. you see they put something else out for a um a james bond compilation thing i don't a com- a th- think i did see that a no. compilation tribute i can't figure out what it said so in the spotify thing because if you go to spotify and you read it about the band uh it says um let me read it real quick for you it says, uh, My Bloody Valentine signed with Island and entered the studio at the end of 1992 to record a new album. In 1993, the group contributed a James Bond cover to a charity compilation, and then nothing happened. Nothing happened. They did not release any more music. Huh. Why did you do this to us, James Bond? Yeah, How James. This is all your Very fault. Rude of them. It looks like, like from a lot of that hiatus and inability to do things was kind of like a breakdown of Kevin Shields' part, it seems. And then he ended up coming yeah. to, and it's, he ended up doing work in that period with uh, Yola Tango, which is a 
pretty cool, prominent, uh, kind of like indie rock, early 90s into mid-90s indie rock group and Dinosaur Jr. And uh, that seems pretty sweet. But then he just didn't uh, just didn't do much else, I suppose. Kind of weird. I also think it's worth mentioning at this point in time that, because we've been mentioning Kevin Shields a lot, but there is also a very prominent member being Belinda Butcher, who yes. does pretty much most of the vocals on the album, like Loveless. Mm-hmm. Shields does some of the vocals on isn't, or what is it? Uh, what's this, this first album again? I forgot the name of exactly what it says. Of the first album? Isn't anything? Isn't anything. Yeah, I thought there were three words for some reason. Was she on that album? On Isn't Anything? Yes. Yeah, she's on there. So her, I thought she joined later. Well, then she joined, so she joined but prior to that in uh, 1987. And the way she mm-hmm. joined was uh, she had, basically, it's kind of funny. Uh, she learned that My Blade Valentine needed a singer from her partner who had met Colm on a ferry from the Netherlands. They spent a brief amount of time, so they kind of traveled around. You know, they started in Ireland, and then they thought they wouldn't get a foothold due to some advice from a, from a, fr- a friend who told them to get out of Ireland, and they moved to the Netherlands for a little bit, and then they moved to Germany, to Berlin for a little bit, and then finally they ended up coming to London, which I don't know why. I mean, you could just went to London to begin with to do the whole thing. But anywho, in the time in the, while they were in the Netherlands, her girlfriend met uh, Colm on a ferry and was told that they needed a singer, so she went and auditioned. And to audition, she sang The Bargain Store by Dolly Parton. That's the song she chose to sing for her audition. A Dolly Parton song for My Bloody Valentine. How wild is that? Pretty great. It's a good choice. It is. Speaking of uh, members of the band meeting each other, I still find... uh, Jared, how did you say the drummer's name again? Oh, boy. Kalmo Klosig? Uh, Yeah, that sounds good. Something like that. You know, Kolm. Kolm. He and Kevin Shields met at a karate tournament. Yeah, isn't that funny? Uh-huh. Pretty cool. What were they doing karate? Sure. No, they're just watching. Like, how do you? Uh, okay, of all places that you spark up a conversation, <laughs> how do you spark up a conversation at a karate tournament? Can you imagine if they were like sparring? Do you like karate? Because your body's kicking. Oh, hey. you want to be in a band? <laughs> <laughs> like no, I agree. If they were sparring, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, like they're, they're like just fighting. Like you've got some strong arms. Well, it's from playing my guitar. You play guitar? Yeah. Why are your arms so strong? Because I play the drums. Mm-hmm. Hey, wait a second. We don't have to be fighting. We could be in a band. I imagine they're hitting each other, but rhythmically. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah. That's what it was. Hey Tyler, do you do you think that you like? Uh, my uh, my bloody Valentine enough to wear, like the music on your sleeve. Do you want me? Do you want me to get? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I do. I like them, but I mean, what are you trying to? <laughs> well, because in April of two thousand and twenty, uh, American clothing company Supreme announced they're doing a collaborate a, co- a collaboration. That's not how you say that. Collaboration. Word. Collaboration. <laughs> my God, with my bloody Valentine. They were licensing the album art for Glider, Feed Me With Your Kiss, and Loveless for the company's spring 2020s clothing collection. Oh, my goodness. So you and all your friends can wear My Bloody Valentine clothes this spring. Brought to you by Supreme. This is our for, for our ad. 
Why is Supreme doing that? Oh, because, you know, they know. do this dumb thing. Supreme is stupid. <laughs> well, I guess you won't be buying it. No. I have true. But are you buying them as the good band this week? Mm. <laughs> yes. Undoubtedly. Okay. Let me just Obviously, say this. Yes. Look, the, 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 this music here and the tonal quality of the guitar in this is like any any tone junkie's wet dream here, okay? People are freaking out about this thing. It's insane. I think that's what I want tattooed into my sleeve. Tone junkie wet dream? Tone junkie's wet dream. It's basically what it is. I have a, I have a problem myself. I will also say my bloody Valentine is the good band. Pretty undoubtedly on this one. If it was if it was a, a battle, I would pick Axe Wound, but mm. it's not, and so I'll pick my bloody Valentine. Yeah, I'm gonna pick my bloody Valentine. Good choice. Oh, good choice. What what does Patreon you turn over to Patreon? Yeah, what does Patreon yeah, let's turn say? it over to Patreon. What Patreon say? Well, Patreon, uh, they're tied again. What? They split down the Patreon middle. Patreon is tied. Split down the middle. Wow. All right. Well, if you want to have your voice uh, heard, if you want to help break future ties, we've had two in a row now. Go to patreon.com slash record roundtable. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Good Band, Bad Band. Let us know who you think is the good band. Follow us on our various social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, patreon.com slash record roundtable. Next week, we're talking about Buster Grimes. We're going to name that baby. Check it out. I have a doctor who shirt as well now. Bad.